Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. We have with us a very special human being. Uh, he has not only been a real estate agent for an extended period of time, had a successful uh, show on television. He is now the director, right, or president, head. head, I apologize, the head of industry for KW, which I'll allow him to explain to you specifically what that means. Mr. Jason Abrams, I appreciate you taking the time to be with me, brother. Honored to be here. Thank you, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. So how about you first and foremost, just describe uh, to the audience, what exactly does the head of uh, industry mean? Well, we just made it up. Uh, Gary always says that leadership knows no title, but yet you still need to have one in this world or no one knows who you are. So if, if you were to ask all of the social media companies and search companies in the tech space, they break industry into two of the highly considered consumer purchases. Highly considered because you don't do it on a whim. And it's automobiles, uh, automobile sales and real estate. So we don't sell cars here yet. And so we sell houses. So the industry department here at KWRI is all things residential real estate. And I've been lucky enough in my career to be an agent and a coach and a market center owner and a national lecturer and all these different things. And so I have a unique perspective that I share with everybody here who may not have that perspective. So I'm always saying if, if we made coffee here, then everyone in the building would know how to make it better. Like everyone would be drinking it and they'd say, it's too light, it's too dark, it's too bitter, it's too chocolate notes. Did I taste grapefruit? Like that's how it'd be. But because we have brilliant people here that are building things they're probably not going to use tonight, they need that nuance. So you could be like a PhD, amazing course writer and be writing a course on listings, but you're probably not going to take a listing this evening. Yeah. And so I help bring that kind of uh, view to everything we do. That's awesome. Yeah, because there's various, you know, very talented people at KW at various different degrees and levels that uh, have a very specific skill set. However, perhaps maybe have never actually sold real estate before. Is that right? Right. Although we do, we have set up a bunch of really cool ways for them to digitally go on these experiences. Like now, if you want to digitally go on a buyer's seminar, or if you want to go on a buyer consult, or if you want to go on a listing appointment, some of our top teams take it along and invite all of our executives here and people on these Zooms. So it's really funny to watch like the CEO of the company walk by and he's rushing to get to a buyer consult and be a fly on the wall. But yeah, it's really important that we truly see how our stuff works when it gets into somebody's living room. Yeah, man. I'd love to have the opportunity to be him, uh, have him uh, present on a Zoom listing presentation next time Fine. I go on one. That's good. For sure. Yeah. So, um, and I'm curious, being that you have this very unique perspective, I feel like you're, you know, sitting at kind of uh, the forefront of the game and how it's changing. So for those agents who may not recognize, who may not have been paying attention over the last maybe three or four years, what are the three top kind of changes that you see happening in our industry? Well, I think COVID changed a lot of consumer behaviors. And so I think now what people do is they, they look up and they want to have more optionality in the experiences that they're having, and they want to have more control over those experiences. So if you said to me, and I'm going to say it back to you slightly differently, which is what does the consumer want? 
And the reason I think that's the question we all have to ask is because we sometimes as an industry get really caught up in talking about what real estate agent wants or which real estate company is better for you or what what color our sign is or our initials are cooler than your initials. And all of it is really misguided and stupid. What we really need to be talking about is what is the consumer experience and what do they want? And there's two ways of looking at it. You either have the moments that matter or the moments that don't. And the best example of this is is Domino's Pizza right now, because historically, when you ordered a pizza, the moment in between ordering it and hanging up the phone and then waiting for it to get delivered to your house didn't matter. It didn't matter anywhere. As a matter of fact, it didn't matter so much that you used to actually call and check on your pizza. Like, hey, are you still coming? Like, that's how much it didn't matter. Then Domino's comes out with a pizza tracker. And although you could argue that the pizza still tastes like the box it came in, it's now like leading the way. And so this moment that didn't matter suddenly does. And you could look at Amazon and kind of say the same thing, which is like, you know, I used to go to the store and buy pickles. Now I order pickles from Amazon. And it the moments that didn't matter now do. I get a photo when it hits my doorstep. I get a little text saying that it's 10 houses away. Like all of these little moments now matter. And so in our industry, what are the moments that don't matter? And what are the moments that do? Because I'll tell you what. When a buyer has an easier time knowing when their pizza is going to get delivered than when their key exchange is going to happen, we have a problem as an industry. Mm. When a buyer knows exactly how much they paid for an item, but they don't know how much they have to bring to closing until the night before, we got a problem as an industry. When you are price sensitive to the extent when you go to a restaurant, you get an itemized receipt. And yet here you have no idea what anything costs (laughs) until the day before closing, we got a problem as an industry. And I I think that on a long enough timeline, the consumer always gets what they want. The question is always, will they get it from you? Yeah. So, and I love that because in your example, I'm thinking to myself, like I ordered from Chipotle recently and they have the same tracker and you find yourself looking at it and it brings you like excitement and like, oh, it's on its way. Like it's coming. And it's a moment that really wouldn't have mattered before, but now it actually does. So here's my question, because these, when you start to say that, it's like, wow, that would be awesome for them to be able to track in the same way or for them to get an alert. So do you think that that's something, because you, you mentioned as an industry, is that something that individual agents should be trying to like work on? Or is that something that like a company should be trying to create for their agents? I think that there's there's two ways to look at it. Number one is we have to get really clear on the fact that no matter what company you're at, and by the way, if your company isn't having any of these conversations, then just spoiler alert, you're at the wrong place. And I don't even know you. And I don't even know where you are. But I, I know that we're, we're all trying to provide solutions for the consumer. So here, I'm going to say it like this, right? We recruit the consumer to convenience, And the real estate agent has to say, well, yeah, that's exactly what I do. I do recruit the consumer to convenience. Think of it like when you go on a FISBO appointment, your whole pitch is that you're going to get them more money with less headaches easier. Is it any different than when you go on a buyer console? It's going to, I'm going to get you the house that you want for the right price easier. And I'm going to control the process. So all you're doing as a realtor is recruiting to convenience, which means that all you're doing as a brokerage is recruiting to convenience, except it's not the consumer's convenience. It's the real estate agent's convenience. And so if you look up and say, gosh, there's nothing convenient about where I'm at, you got a problem. And here's what we know. We know we got 1.56 million realtors out there. And we know that half of them identify as independent non-franchise. So let's just say you got 750,000 folks running around at quote unquote independent. You get another 1750 running around at the big brands that we all know about when we talk about them. 
And then you have this other group, which is, I'm just going to call it other. These are things like rhyme with billow. Like, but the truth of the matter is all of these groups are trying to get to the exact same place, which is how do I help someone sell, buy, and own beautifully? You see, we as an industry, we build things that work, but do we build things that work beautifully? The good news is that nobody's got to sell, buy, and own yet. Nobody in the world. There's no company that's there yet. You know how you know? Because there's been no consolidation. I'll tell you how you know. If you're listening right now, ask yourself this question, which is how many of you are members of Netflix? And just raise your hand. If you're driving, use one hand and just get it in the air for me. Now ask the same question. How many of you are shopping to get out of Netflix right now because you don't like it? And in that moment, when you realize that you're all captive and you do kind of like it enough to keep it, then ask yourself, what made you get it? Was it a new regulation that, that they say you had to get it? Was it some sort of, did you have to get a licensing for it? Did your broker make you get Netflix? No, you had infinite number of choices as the consumer and you came to the exact same conclusion that everybody else listening did, which is this is a good thing. And now you're there. That's called natural consolidation. We can play the same game with Amazon. How many of you have, we can play the same game with Uber. How many of you have Uber or Lyft on your phones? The fact of the matter is the natural consolidation of the market has brought all of us to the same products, yet it hasn't done that when it comes to the real estate industry. It hasn't done that when it comes to the mortgage industry. You know how I know? Because everybody listening to this podcast can tell me the three mortgage companies that you either are in an MSA with or talking to, or you know that's in your market, which means that none of these things have consolidated. And here's what I believe. I believe that technology naturally wants to consolidate industries and consumers naturally move to the best things to solve their problems. So when I say on a long enough timeline, the consumer always wins, that's what I mean. And so you look up right now at the 1.6 million real estate agents out there, how many different places sell third-party technologies to realtors? How many different places sell leads to realtors? How many different places sell photography to realtors, signs to realtors, lockboxes to realtors? I could keep going. Friends, how many different brokerage models are there for you to go choose to affiliate with? And then you look up and realize that nothing about our industry has become consolidated. And you know, I get emails. I get emails, uh, Aaron, where people say, my brokerage is one. And I'm sitting over here thinking the game hasn't even started yet. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I love how you've crystallized that because there's power and clarity where, um, you know, you made that distinction between like first, like focusing on the consumer and the consumer will always win because they're going to gravitate towards what's convenient and easy and is the most cost effective. And what you're saying is, is that there hasn't been one kind of end to end solution that has created that yet. Now, my question to you is, do you believe that's possible in this industry? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Number one, I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily always add in cost, meaning I think there's a lot of people that will pay more, meaning the price won't be quote unquote right for the next person if they can have the convenience. Convenience is one of those things that wealth changes. Because let's be honest, all money does is gives us more options. Most of us are going to buy a car this year. The wealthy will be able to decide from all of them. Most of us will go on vacation. The wealthy will decide from all these different experiences. So money creates more options. When we talk about this idea of end-to-end, we have a problem because every single person out there that has any sort of idea wants to call themselves a platform now, pretty much meaning none of them know what it actually means, which I think is adorable. But let's just pretend for a second that everybody has a platform now because it's the thing to have. 
then we talk about what does end-to-end mean. And the truth is the definition changes based on your ability to create micro experiences within the collective. This is to say that your version of end-to-end might be, I refer a home inspector, I, I refer a mortgage, you have a great closing and I pay for your mover. Is that the end? I guess it is for somebody who doesn't think about the seven years that someone spends living in the home. Someone else might define end-to-end as, We do everything once you own the home. Great. As long as you're not interested in buy and sell, then that's perfect for you. Someone else might define end-to-end as complete vertical integration within each of those phases. So I guess what I'm telling you is the idea of end-to-end is a whole lot easier on what shows am I going to watch through Netflix than it is on what my experience will be in real estate, mainly because real estate, it's the most expensive illiquid asset, number one. And number two, it's actually on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is to say that the home is the backdrop for our life and nobody cuddles up at night with their stock and bond portfolio, but they do in their house, which makes it a highly personalized item, which means that the consumer will have their own version of end-to-end. So although you pose the question that way, let me give you a different way of thinking about it. I don't believe that for those of us that are playing the game at scale, it'll be a question of what actually happens end to end. I think the question will be what platform do you choose to actually enjoy end to end on? And right now, because I I hear this all the time, realtors say, well, it's too esoteric. You lost me, this whole platform. My customers do business with me. Break script. You do realize that as soon as you say that, all you've effectively said is that I'm the platform. Yes. Which, by the way, I love that idea. Right now, the fact that you're reachable 24 hours a day and you take your laptop to the beach on vacation, which is insane, but I love realtors because we do that, and you refer the title and you refer the mortgage and you take the phone call to solve all their problems, make no mistake about it, your customers have a platform. It's called your name. What we're trying to figure out is can we take pieces of that? And make those moments easier so that you can get a semblance of your life back and the consumer can get a more reliable result. Yes, because ultimately that's the focus is the consumer. And then which specific pieces are you referring to taking that back? I I tell you what, I'm referring to all of them. That's the kind of the neat thing about where technology is today. If I would have told you 10 years ago, the things that you would be doing on your iPhone, you never would have believed me. Do you know when the iPhone came out originally, all these smartphones, by the way, they couldn't sell them. The whole thing was a giant flop, a failure, a misnomer. You know why? Because there's this certain age group of people that you need if you're going to sell a consumer product. It's the baby boomers. And they weren't buying it. They just weren't into this idea. And they finally stumbled onto the solution. It was the minute that somebody put the most magical app on a phone that the world had ever seen. It's the flashlight app. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. The flashlight app, yes. It was the first time that that age group used their phone as a tool for something other than making a phone call. And all of a sudden, this thing stopped being a phone and started being a tool for their life because they were using it in menus because they couldn't read whether it had marinara sauce or not. And that simple thing changed the way they looked at it. And then they started asking other questions. Well, if it can be the device that lights up a menu, what else can it do? And before you know it, you got to banking. Then you, I mean, think about that for a second. Yeah. Like, well, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, like flashlight, like alarm clock. 
like, oh. you know, like banking, like menu reading, oh. like like um, GPS, right? Oh my Something gosh! Like a map, and right? then it became everything. Yeah, and 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 it's going to be, I believe, very very similar. Here's that you know how you know it's going to be similar because that is organic. Think about everyone right now. Stop and think about the first purchase that you made on Amazon. Now think about the second one and think about the third one and then realize that 10 purchases in, you are willing to buy anything on it. Yeah. Like at first it's like, I don't know if I feel comfortable putting my credit card in. And then like, once you do it, then it becomes like, and now you don't even think about it. You do it on your phone on a whim, just like, bloop, and, and it's 100%. Fine. Yeah. And, and and so you're going to be asking the same question about residential real estate. Yeah. Now, some guess- people, depending on who is sitting here, someone would say, well, it's search. And someone else would say, no, 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 it's the transaction. And someone else would say, no, 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 it's the financing. And then someone else would say, no, 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 it's the quiche recipes that I said. And then someone else would say, no, 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 it's my client events and a unique connection. And by the way, hashtag all of that. You don't know what the entry point is going to be into the affinity loop that is the consumer relationship with you. All you know is that right now you're the loop. The question will be, can you bring some piece of technology or some platform or some idea into your life that actually holds it all together? And, what, yeah, and by I, the way, if you're, you're half of your audience is like, nah, this I'm, I'm not a tech person. This isn't real. I'm willing to accept that, by the way. But I would ask you this. Would you argue that the cell phone that you're using right now isn't as much of a platform for your business as any other? Because I would tell you, for you non-tech people out there, which by the way, I would put myself in that category, I got my entire data bank in my cell phone, it coordinates all my emails, it handles my calendar, I send text messages, and oh, by the way, it's linked to the collective knowledge of humankind in the way of Google. So I kind of think it's a platform. The problem is it's not a platform made for real estate. I don't see any company out there right now that's got that done. No. And I guess what I'm aware of is like what you're, everything you're saying is logical. makes total sense. And that is such a big thing that I don't, I mean, personally, as somebody who's still in production, who's pushing and shoving and going on appointments and like, you know, negotiating, doing all these deals and stuff. Right. That that's something that like a company needs to solve. It's not something that an individual agent's going to solve. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, I'm a little biased because I got a giant billboard. And like, <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to solve it. Yeah, that, that's the cool thing about it. I think that it's really it's fascinating to me that you see when you look at the industry. And by the way, I think we should go micro in the industry next and talk about like what are the ways to make more money today and get yeah. more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're out there in the ethos right now, but like here here's the key to this in the macro. All of these other industries are literally stepping into yours if you're a realtor within the sound of my voice right now. Like, and I just want to talk about just in the last three weeks on the press releases, you watched Quick and Loan come out and say, I think they call themselves Rocket now. They came out and said, do business with us. And it's a point and a half on the listing side. You have Zillow 360 running around discounting the real estate brokerage. Have you noticed that everybody in the industry is willing to discount the type of time and money and fiduciary that you provide all in the zeal of maintaining their margins? And if if you haven't noticed it yet, here's the good news. That means that you still have plenty of time to react and bulletproof your business, but it's not going away. And the challenges are only going to become more forthright to us. 
Yeah. And if you take the kind of approach of sticking your head in the sand and being like, okay, this tech thing, like it's not me, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Depending on where you are in your life cycle and depending on where you are in your life cycle of business, if you're kind of older and uh, you've been doing this for a while, you just want to do it for five more years, then like, don't pay attention to anything me and Jason are saying, keep doing what you're doing, make as much money as you can pull aside, like 40 to 50% of everything you're earning invested in things that make money. And you should be like, Okay. However, if your intention is to be in this game for an extended period of time, you, you know, I, there's a saying that says in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Huh. Like if I can see what's happening prior to everybody else recognizing what's happening, I can pivot to make sure that I continue to get an unfair share. Yeah. And I, I the only thing that I would either plus one on that conversation is that I'm not just talking about tech. Like if you if you're in the first group that you just defined, which is I got five years left and I want to try to do as well as I can. There has to be some new experience or you're going to end up doing less per year. But here's the worst part of it. The parts you do do are simply going to take longer. And the consumer is clamoring for something else. Uh, look, I would never have wished COVID upon anybody. And I, I've, we've lost a lot of family members at Keller Williams. It's been a terrible thing. But one thing it did do is it got us all really clear on consumer behavior across all age groups. And here's what we know now. It, by the way, anything I said up to this point, you can dispute. But if you want fact, here are the facts. Right now, the consumer wants to see less homes in a physical way, but more of the right ones. Right now, the consumer wants a fiduciary on demand when they want them, not when the realtor wants to be there. And right now, the consumer is highly value-based in not in dollars and cents, but in level of fiduciary. Meaning if you can't actually help them get an advantage to find a home in a conflicted and constricted marketplace, your value goes down. And it, like on the selling side, if I'm not, when he says like fiduciary versus transactionary, like transactionary is just like, hey, I can help you sell your house. And the truth is, honestly, a lot of people can probably help them do that. But can I move over to being fiduciary? Meaning, can I solve problems for you? Can I help you get it cleared out or get stuff donated to local charities? Can I help you with handyman work? Can I solve problems? Also, can I guide you in some way, right? Which goes beyond, which essentially what's happening is it's forcing agents to have a, a higher value proposition other than just I can help you buy and sell. I think that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that vein, you know, um, I have the good fortune. I, you know, coach people as well, uh, separate from being in production and I'm seeing something that's happening. So as we switch gears from being consumer focused and these high conversations about tech now shifting to saying like, okay, as an agent, if the focus is on agents, I'm personally seeing, which we had a conversation quickly prior to getting started. I'm seeing kind of the cost of sale go up dramatically with referral fees and things of that nature. You mentioned these sharp elbow competitors that are very well-funded pushing into the space and getting access to consumers before we get to them. So there's us, then there's the consumer and there's the internet and they're getting in the way and they're creating different business models around that. And uh, I kind of moving towards volume. So like the question is, is what do you think an agent should be doing like immediately? Not like in the future, not like George Jetson, but like right now to, to pivot and, and deal with all of these changes we're seeing happening. Well, a couple of things. Number one, if you're having your greatest years and you're absolutely crushing it, I congratulations. And I think you have to be really careful not to believe your own press. And I think you have to be really honest with yourself and ask the question, what are the deficiencies within my business that the market is covering up? It's the key question to ask anytime there's a boom and it's offensive to anybody who's crushing it as soon as I say it. So please 
assume positive intent because I'm not trying to alienate anybody. That would be dumb on a podcast. I'm trying to give you good content. So that's number one. Once you come to that conclusion, number two, if you're absolutely crushing it right now, you need to go back over the last 12 months and make a list of every deal that you did. Then you have to make a list of all of the sources. Then I think you have to go through with a color pencils or markers and just do like sources and like colors. Maybe open houses are all purple and internet leads are all blue and referrals are all pink. And then figure out what your top three sources of your business are. Then those should be the only three things that you ever think about again, as far as I'm concerned. And then the question for each of those three things, it's really simple. It's number one, do I have the best model and system on the planet to do that thing? Number two, if I do, do I have the best piece of technology? either internal or third party, to make that thing reach more people more often. Number three, how many hours or minutes or times a week am I going to do that thing? Now, if you can have those three things with those three questions answered, then you are 99% of the way to having the most scalable life on the planet. Because in that moment, you get to make a choice. The choice is, do I want to do all that and stay a practitioner? Or do I want other people to do exactly what I just described? And in that moment, you're a real estate business with people running it. Yeah, I love that. That's very clear and concise. I agree with all of that. And to that, like as a plus one with those three sources, what I've experienced not only in my business, but what I coach agents to is like three different sources, right? So one being kind of past client centers of influence, they're less commission sensitive, perhaps would be more so as time progresses and they go online, but they'll use you more often, you know, more than once. Um, the second is, is these online sources that are now popping up that uh, whether it's the fast experts, the home lights, the effective agents, right? They take referral fees. There is a cost of sale. However, not to do that business to me would be silly. Like I'm still going to do it. I understand the metrics and the numbers. And then the third is, is some sort of niche, like a niche that you can go after. So one deal I did 100 deals, 75 were expires when the marketplace was heavy on expires. But then that changed, I shifted to like estates, right? So having some sort of niche that you can go after, whether it's you, like you said, or somebody else on your team that you can teach to go after. If you have those three sources in place, past clients, the online stuff, you have lots of reviews, people find you perhaps organically, and then also some sort of niche, you have enough kind of attract attraction levers that you should be able to do a meaningful amount of business. Would, would you agree with that? Yes, and I, break, I, I tend to break my world into two. Like if I was you at home and I'm taking notes, draw a circle and then divide that circle in half. So now you're gonna have two sides of a circle. On the left side, on top, write the word active. On the right side, on top, write the word passive. The, what, the active are any three things that you actually take an action by which to create business. So that might be SOI. You might be running a sphere of influence platform. Open houses, maybe you're committed to doing one per week. And then whatever the other one is going to be. On the other side where it says passive, that's where I tend to put things like online leads. I call them passive because once you swipe your credit card for it, there's nothing else you're going to do other than get the leads and then give good service. But you have to give good service on both sides. And then if I was drawing this thing out, on the bottom, I would draw a giant rectangle. And in that rectangle, I would write the name of the CRM that I'm using. And the reason that that's the key is because everybody you meet from the left side of the circle and the right side of the circle goes into that CRM. 
And then as long as you're following up with frequency and intensity with everybody in that system, it's a mathematical certainty you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, it's very true. So like what I noticed is, is uh, in our business where we have, you know, the good fortune of having lots of reviews and we're also on these platforms, we don't pay for the lead like initially, but they kind of refer you and then they take a referral fee. But I noticed that the lead flow started to get overwhelming and I couldn't keep up with them. So I needed a mechanism to your point, like a CRM, which is part of the system. So like what, what Jay's, Jay's saying here is like, you have these different sources, but each source needs a system. And part yeah. of that system is a CRM. Now that'll help with the next part of it, which is conversion, right? And, and the CRM is part of that, but then also it's like scripts and dialogues. What am I saying? How am I saying it? Like that sort of thing. And then we can convert. And then the third piece is obviously delivering the service, but whatever those sources are, I need a system for attraction. That might be the telephone. It might be, you know, door knocking. It might be like, whatever it is, I need a system for it. Then I need a system for conversion, which a CRM might be part of it. And then I need a system for delivery of the service. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not living your biggest life yet, or you're running a real estate team, you keep banging your head against the wall. I want to give you an idea that you might not have a lead generation problem. I would tell you, you probably have a lead conversion problem. And here's how I would prove it to you. If you're not driving right now, open up your contacts on your cell phone. And when you do that, if you're one of the eight people still using an Android, I can't help you. But if you're using an iPhone, scroll all the way down to the bottom. And when you get all the way down to the bottom, you're going to see a number of the total contacts in your phone. So I have 3,266 contacts. So if I took 3,266 people, and all I did was send them hyper-local real estate information on a monthly basis, and then either call or text them in a TCPA-friendly and compliant way on a monthly business, I would get, call it a 4% conversion rate. That's just, that's just the world. It's just the world. And at that level, it's like 150, 160 deals. If your average commission yeah. is 10,000 bucks, you make 1.6 million bucks. You know what I mean? Like, right. And so like, you know, every time I lecture anywhere, I went into a room and I, I always say, okay, there's only three parts of residential real estate. You're either lead generating, following up or transacting the business. Raise your hand if it's the transacting that's keeping you from living your best life. And nobody raises their hand. And I'm like, great. Do you, if you don't have enough leads, raise your hand, half the room. If you're not going to follow up the other half of the room. But friends, come on. We've been real estate agents since 1891. How long are we going to have the same conversation? You have enough leads. It's everyone you've ever met. The challenge is how do you stay in front of those people with hyper-local real estate information and fiduciary long enough to get the honor of doing business with them? Yeah, because here's the thing, Aaron. They're, gonna, they're doing business either way. Because it's not like Jason Abrams gets his real estate license and then my cousin calls and says, I heard you got your license. I wasn't planning on buying a house, but I will now. Like, that's not real. People buy houses and sell houses because they have life events. They get a job, they lose a job, they get rich, they get poor, they find love, they get divorced, they have a kid, they become an empty nester, they make a good choice, they make a bad choice. These are the old, tell me that these are not the reasons you all have moved. And now you're all nodding. Yeah, of course, these are the reasons you've moved. So there's nothing that you can do to create a single transaction other than on the investment side. And even then, I would tell you that it's a push, which means that the 6 million give or take home sales that happen every year are preordained. The only question is whether you'll be involved. Yeah. And how many of you will be involved in? <laughs> and, and to your point where they're going to do something no matter what, 
and technology can help me. They can be an aid to me to cause them on an automated, you know, drip to get them relevant content for their particular property. I reach out, you know, every quarter or whatever. And when it's ready and when it's time, then I'll be top of mind. And then it goes, now it clicks to conversion. Now I have to know how to set an appointment, pre-qualify, go present, handle objections, close, get a contract signed, and then go sell it. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, you know, like, what's the one thing? That's my favorite question. What's the one thing I should be doing right now? Here's the truth. And you're all going to say it's lame and, and you probably won't do it, but it would be the number one thing that would get you the most deals moving forward. You know, it's simply to call or talk to the people that know you and tell them what their home is worth minus what it would cost to sell it equals their net. If all you did was grade the next 90 days of your life by how many people knew their net proceeds that didn't know it in the morning, but knew it in the evening because of you, 120 days from now, you'd be actively doing more real estate business. Yeah. And when the market starts to change, by the way, you mark my words. The first people that come off the fence are the ones that actually know the true value of their home. Do you know why? It's the same reason that the person who counts their chips at a table, which by the way, I've never actually sat at a gambling table, but I've been told they're the ones that are sensitive to winning and losing because the money becomes yours once you know what it is. You ever buy a stock and then you literally watch it go up and then it goes down and you think you lost money? Yeah. Spoiler alert, you didn't lose any money. It was never yours to begin with. The only time it was yours was when you sell. And so when you tell somebody your home was worth $520,000 today, and then they go out, you know how real estate gets around, Aaron? It's anecdotal news, meaning people don't get the news from the realtor. They get their news from the least qualified people to deliver it. Meaning, and my mom is the best example of this. She plays canasta with a group of other women. And they're the greatest. She loves them. And it's it never goes without saying. She'll call and she'll say, the, the real estate market is flying. And I'll say, well, how do you know? And she'll say, Barbara, her daughter sold her house. She had seven offers in three minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it really is flying. She'll call me a month later and be like, it's cooling off. Samantha's daughter's house has been on the market for four days. And I, you think... Ask yourself, though, that's exactly how it happens. It happens at barbecues and at swim clubs and waiting in line or watching your kid play flag football. That's when people talk about real estate. And so if you tell the person exactly what their home is worth and then they go out and they hear that it's changing psychologically, at least they have the information by which to make a good life choice. Yeah. And when somebody says it's doing X, Y, and Z, they're like, well, my agent sends me information on a regular basis and here's what's actually my, my home's worth at the moment. And then to your point, which is interesting, I think there's like these fundamental like truths. I remember I heard Elon Musk say one time is that like uh, knowledge is like a tree mm-hmm. and I want to know the br- I want to know the trunk first before I get out to the branches. Yeah. And if I know the trunk, typically I can apply that in other areas, right? So like this, this like trunk of, of truth, which is like, look, technology, yes. Is it an, I see it as an enhancement. Like, is it enhancing? Is it allowing me to get them relevant data on a regular basis? So I don't have to lick envelopes and do all that stuff. Like, yes, it makes it much easier. However, the fundamental truth of that, this is a contact sport and I need to speak to people that hasn't changed. The fundamental truth that when a lead comes in, I need to know what to say and how to convert it. Uh, into an appointment that hasn't changed. The fundamental truth is sitting down with somebody and them saying, Hey, I want you to cut your commission. And if you don't know the answer, they're probably going to go somewhere else. That hasn't changed. And I don't think it will uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. The, I, I think that that's really well said. The, the only argument that I would make is 
a company like the one that rhymes with Billow doesn't spend any time actually talking to consumers. They rely on you people for that. Yet they're able to let folks know what their house is worth. I kind of look at it like this. The matrix that I use is that we have three levers. We have unique insights. We have unique access and unique service. And the word unique in this case means unique to the end user. So a unique insight for you might be when I tell you what your home is worth. By the way, Zillow was born in Q4 of 06. No one used it until they came up with this estimate because it was an instant way to give a unique insight to the consumer. What's the unique insight that you're providing to the consumer? Now, if you really want to get crazy at home, divide your sheet of paper into two halves, in transaction and out of transaction. See, in transaction, unique insight, if a buyer finds a house, maybe the unique insight is a CMA on what that house is worth. What would be a unique insight outside of a transaction? Well, for a seller, it would be exactly what I'm saying, which is what your home is worth. That would be a unique insight. What would it be to a buyer who hasn't moved yet, who might be a renter? Maybe it's around their credit score, what they need to do to change it. Maybe it's around what first-time home buyers or credits out there, but it has to be unique to them. Then you have unique access. And unique access in transaction is every time you open a door with a lockbox key. It's unique because they can't get in without you. What is it outside of a transaction? What's the unique access that you're providing? I saw one great example the other day. A real estate agent who used to do tons of in-person client events is now doing digital ones. And they went and they Googled speakers bureaus, virtual Speakers bureaus are places where people that want to become celebrities or that already are, they let them book their speaking engagements. But I'll tell you what, this person, I think it was five or six grand, hired Sir Mix-a-Lot to do an acapella version of Baby Got Back and three other songs, which is amazing to think about. But you know what? If you were on that person's client list, you showed up for that. It was awesome. All via Zoom? Come on. Who's not going to that? But maybe your unique access is going to be a celebrity chef or it's going to be an amazing financial guru who's going to talk. What's the unique access? And then unique service. During the transaction, we're kind of the service. I'll answer always. The best example of a realtor that I saw, I saw a realtor who went out and hired a bunch of handy people. And her people in her SOI get to call and they get to use the handyman service for free. There's no charge. Wow. That's unique service. And so I I just simply ask the question, if I have to provide unique insight, unique access and unique service, and I have to do it in transaction and out, what are those things going to be? And then build your campaigns around those things. Yeah. And I'm reading a book right now called The Membership Economy. Yeah. And and what that makes me think about is like what you're talking about is creating a membership, which is like instead of like selling a product or a service, right? What it said is, is the metrics in selling a product is, is like, once you, it's all about acquisition. Once you acquire, then it's just about managed anger. Like we're going to manage people's anger. You're going to have something that happens. You're not going to be happy with. We're just trying to manage it. Well, in a membership economy, the goal is to uh, increase loyalty. So that's an interesting, because if that's a shift in the way I'm thinking, that changes the way that I approach it. And it changes the way I approach the business. So what you're describing is, is like, oh, when you're a member of like the Novello group, you're, you're part of our tribe. Here's what comes with membership. You get access to the handyman. You, we're going to cut your grass twice a month. We're going to have somebody come out and wash your windows. We're going to, right? And All and of you, those things. All of those and things. And you, and you see that as like, no, this is like, even though, you know, you watch profit margins and you watch the economic model, 
But what you're shifting to is instead of just want, like selling a product or service is creating like a membership and what it entails to be part of the membership. Yes. I, I love that. And the fact of the matter is I, I was talking to an agent the other day and was telling me a story. No one likes to tell stories like realtors, right? It's, the, the, my, it's my favorite part of this job. I get to hear the best stories. The person was saying, I followed up with this person for 13 years, every single month. And, I, and now I'm going to list their house. And I was I was thinking to myself, what other industry do you call someone for 13 years in the hopes of maybe doing business again? Like, what's that industry? But I love that about real estate agents. But we have to start thinking about the unique services that would make people call us instead of us calling them. Like, when was the last time you had the second story windows of your house cleaned? And if you're an agent, why aren't you hiring a window cleaner for three weeks every summer and then cleaning every person in your data bank's windows? Yeah. Like, is that worth more than call it the pie giveaway on things? Yeah, of course. I I was talking to an agent the other day who bought a landscaping company. And literally their thing, here's the phone call that they made. So Aaron, they're calling you up. Aaron, do you cut your lawn or does someone cut it for you? Mm, I do it myself. Fantastic. Well, then I don't know if this will be interesting to you, but I've decided that it's not just my job to sell beautiful homes. It's my job to help you live in them beautifully. And I sold you the house you're in and I bought a landscaping company. And so what I'd like to do is send them over and for free, they want to plant a bunch of flowers for you. And then if you like it, every two weeks, we want to come over and mow your lawn for free. You're never going to get a bill because you're one of our customers. The only thing that we ask is you let us leave a little sign up the day we cut it that says this home meticulously maintained for free by the Abrams real estate team. Is that okay? Yeah. Like who's going to say no to that? Who's saying no to that? (laughs) And by the the agent that told me they were doing it says that they get incoming phone calls all the time from people in the neighborhood that say, I want my home meticulously maintained for free. And then they say, it's perfect. When are you selling? And then the consumer says, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. What do you mean? Don't you do the lawn? He says, well, here's the thing. We, we own a real estate company. We supply this as a service to every one of our customers or anybody that sends us a referral. So all you need to do is one of those two things, and we'll be happy to cut your lawn for free forever, too. Exactly. And what he and what I would propose there is if he wanted to, he could tweak that. Hey, that's part of like the membership of being involved with the Novello Group, right? Can so you imagine? That's, and that's a service that we provide for our clients. So if you know somebody wants to buy or sell, once you refer us or we help you, then you'll you'll be a member and you'll get that same, you know, kind and of I, service. And I think that's just one example. Like I think I think that the whole industry is about to explode in consumer value all over. And and here's what you're starting to see, whether you want to admit it or not, you're watching kind of a K-shape happen where the top teams are doing more and more business. And then individual agents are kind of doing less and less. And, and, and if you're an individual agent at heart, kind of like I am, you're, you look up and you're like, God, I don't, I don't know. I'm scratching my head. What, why is that happening? It's happening because value delivered at scale is value delivered. And so whether you're a big team or you're an individual agent or you're an independent broker or you're a franchise owner, we have to start asking the question, what's the value that we're delivering? Yeah, and like be the willing real- to look up. The yeah, real like the, value. The real value. Not that like, I, I always find it interesting because I'll, I'll go and do a talk and I'm like, well, what's your competitive advantage to agents? And they're like, well, I'm honest. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like that's lame. Like everybody's going to say, and they're like, I put the client first. And you're like, okay. Like I remember Jack Wells said, if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. So yeah, it's I like, think that's like, why what? you're seeing, at, you know, 
one of the things that I'm really proud of, we're, we're at, at record pace. We have more independent brokerage houses that are choosing to join Keller Williams than at any before time in our history. And I'm simply asking the question, you know, why, why is that happening? And I think because the fight to deliver value at scale has never been more fierce. And everybody is trying to provide more convenience to either the consumer or the agents. In our case, we're trying to do it for both. And um, I think it's a really exciting time to be a consumer of residential real estate products. I think your life is about to get a hell of a lot better. It's kind of like all of us that got, think about your life before Amazon. Think about your life before Netflix. And then realize that the battles that were fought to take that territory have improved your life as a consumer. And then I think just know that that's all about to begin in our industry. And I think you should be wildly, passionately excited for the consumer. I agree, man. I just watched uh, the Netflix thing that Gary and Jay, uh, they produced Netflix versus Blockbuster to watch like just the drop down, drag out, like, you know, fight. Uh, Have you seen, I did an interview right after that came out with all of those people where all we did was talk about what they saw as the parallels to real estate. Did you see that? Oh, really? I didn't. No. I'm going to send that to you. That's awesome, man. Yeah, because I found it fascinating, like this little startup and they try to sell them to them twice. They told them no. And then they were like sending in, like once they realized that this was like a thing, they started to send in people to like spy on their like things. It was wild, right? It's awesome that it's really just like intellectual warfare. So my final question to you is this is one of the other changes that I see happening as, um, you know, what you're describing, I'm seeing completely to be true, that teams that are set up to provide value at scale and that can respond very quickly and give great service, they are doing more and the other people are doing less. And one of the things that I see the marketplace doing is coming up with other ways of compensating agents. So whether that be, I mean, ProfitShare has been around forever. Gary created it, right? Um, and I know he started his rep share and then switched it to profit for various different reasons. But also you see like stock options and like these different mechanisms or different kind of ways of compensating agents. So talk to me a little bit about that and talk to me about like what you think is the opportunity for agents. Um, I think the opportunity is different depending on where you are and what it is that you're looking for. And so I would tell you three things. Number one, I think that stock options and all of those sort of plans are absolutely fantastic, but never lose sight of the core business, meaning that you have to be really careful about the way you choose to make your money. And you have to ask the question, does this way offer longevity? And I think if you ask that question long enough, it'll always operate as a true north for you and for the decisions that you make. Yeah. What he just said is like spot on. So like what I'm aware of is uh, a lot of people have approached me with different opportunities. Right. And the more that I look at, I think that I remember I listened, I listened to think like a CEO and I hadn't listened to it and it's so solid and so good. And uh, I realized that Gary's just a human that basically has gone through all of those iterations and cycles. He's basically somebody that took like his team and spread it across the country. Right. And um, what I'm aware of is I think that models matter in the end, right? So you have to look and say to yourself, whatever it is, wherever the options are coming from, like, is this model like sustainable? And if you do that, then it'll help you to make clear, conscious, purposeful decisions about if this makes sense or not, right? Yeah, absolutely. And look, here's the thing about all these different ways that people make money is that the ways by which we make money are always evolving. The thing that really doesn't evolve is whatever we know to be our mission in life. And so I have some great friends at all different companies that wake up every day, no matter how much money they make, they're absolutely miserable. 
And I feel really sad for those folks. I have some other friends that wake up every day driven by a true north, which is this is why I'm doing the things that I'm doing it. Like I get to wake up every day and I get to go to battle to protect real estate agents. And I'll be honest with you, is there other models that I could wake up and do and probably monetize differently? Sure. Would I be nearly as fulfilled? Probably not. And no. I just, I would urge everybody to, to there's a great book on this, right? It's, it's called The Alchemist. I don't know if you ever read it. Oh yeah, but for sure. There's a line in it that I read every morning and it's, it's an old man who's talking to this little boy and he, and, and he is saying, do you know what the world's greatest lie is? And the boy asks him, what's the world's greatest lie? And the old man says, it's this, that at a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what's happening to us and our lives become controlled by fate. That's the world's greatest lie. And I truly believe that right now more than ever, which is one thought can change it all. And the decision that you make tomorrow will ultimately decide exactly what your life is like the day after tomorrow. Yeah. And so regardless of what path you choose and which way you're going to make your money, just please make sure that it's deeply fulfilling for you. Because there's a difference between the science of success and the art of fulfillment. And they're often very confused. Very confused. I when I And I'll kind of wrap up with this. What it makes me think about is I remember Warren Buffett was giving a talk to uh, like high school people, right? And he was sharing with them that like, you know, ultimately he's like, you know, we'll, we'll probably eat at the same restaurants, me and you, right? We'll probably drive like similar type cars, me and you, right? We'll, we, we watch the same movies on Netflix, me and you. Uh, he's like, I might have a more expensive suit, but you look better. So it looks better on you, right? I'm an old guy. Like, He's like, the only thing you're really going to change is how we travel, but that's really it. And what he said is, is waiting to do something that you love and are passionate about is like waiting to have sex in old age. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't heard that quote, but that sounds like something Charlie Munger with him would say. Yeah, which is super solid. So listen, brother, it shows that you love what you do. I think it's awesome. It's a pleasure kind of being in business with you and having somebody like you be the head of industry. So I appreciate you, man. If people want to have, if people have questions, if they wanted to find you in some way, like how could they connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm one of those guys who's crazy enough to just give out his email. So my email address is jason at kw.com. Feel free to email me. And uh, I just, on behalf of, of all of us here, I'm lucky enough to have friends at every brand and at every independent. And what I just want to tell everybody is, as I truly believe now is the moment to share unabashedly with everybody, regardless of affiliation. It, this is a moment where we'll get to define the entire industry. We can fight over which real estate company later on. This is that moment, though, when all real estate agents should come together. We have to ask the question, what does the consumer want? And I think we should wake up, go to sleep, and during our daydreams, that should be the only thing we're thinking about. Yeah, I love it, man. So listen, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you got Meg Agent coming up. Appreciate you squeezing us in. If you guys like this episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with anybody you think would benefit And uh, I appreciate you, Jay. I look forward to connecting soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.